0: On this show of St. Louis in Tomb, we're going to return to civility. We're also going to talk to Lizzie Watt. She is performing in Gloria, A Life, out at the New Jewish Theater. We're going to talk a little bit more about Gloria Steinem, our word for the day, and some humor. Greetings listeners in Listenerland. Welcome to St. Louis In Tune with Arnold Stricker and Mark Langston where we size up current and historic events involving people, places, and things in areas such as the arts, crime, education, employment, faith, finance, food, government, health history, housing, humor, justice, and sports. We originate from and connect the Gateway City to what is happening regionally, nationally, and internationally. Mark likes to laugh when I go through that. (laughs) long lengthy list of things that we're going wow. to talk about.
1: I know it's uh, if I can just do it a little slower. Let's
0: <laughs> historic
1: issues, people, places, things, areas such as art, crime, education, employment, faith, finance,
0: food, that's see, government, that, health history, housing, humor, justice and sports. And in the American way. Okay. I've got it down because it's like the 32nd elevator speech <laughs> It's great and it's true we do all of that we do all of that and we always return to civility and it's important folks that you be civil with your neighbor with the person you're driving with maybe the person who's driving towards you or any person that you interact with here's a good one ask your older relatives about their childhood mm. record their stories and share the recordings with your siblings. Like most things in life, there's a finite amount of time to do Amen. So true. And now that we have the ability to actually put these things on our phone, mm-hmm. you know, we can do recordings on our phone, it's great to sit down with relatives, yep. the elderly relatives, and mm-hmm. say, Grandma or Mom and Dad, tell me about mm-hmm. what it was like when you grew up, yeah. and just let the thing run. I missed a lot
1: of that with my mom towards the end of her her time uh, with us here on earth she was i don't know what it was there was one i'll never forget one month when she just started just regurgitating so much about what was going on i'm sitting there going i want to record this i wish i could write this down and the asian community seems to do this more than any other that i've heard but they will add like a a a, a, a parent house or something or a parent area of the house and they're very big on generations within the same under the same roof so you have many different generations you have the young the middle-aged kids and then the old and everyone is together all these different generations coming together learning from each other and i think it's a wonderful way to yeah keeps
0: families together yeah sure does okay we're gonna keep you together with our guest that we're going to be talking to. You come upon a variety of performances, whether uh-huh. it be film or theater or music uh-huh. that you, we'd like to on this show promote. And uh, Lizzie Watt, she is a freelance performer. She's a director, theater educator. She's also the managing director of the Tennessee Williams St. Louis Festival. Oh, yeah. And she is performing in Gloria Alive out of the New Jewish Theater. She holds a master's in fine arts and theater contemporary performance. She's a freelance director, as I mentioned. She's taught at New York University's Experimental Theater. She's also taught at Coca, a variety of other places. And she is an author also. And I guess best of all, she's a native St. Louisan. I'll be darned. Lizzie, welcome to St. Louis in Tune.
2: Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here.
0: So we won't ask you that question. We'll bypass that. Of course, Mark may interrupt and say... What do you mean? What high school did she go to? <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I proudly went to Brentwood High School. Oh, oh
1: Brentwood.
0: Brent. Yeah.
1: We That's, hadn't heard that one before. No, I haven't heard. And Brentwood is not a big school district, no, no. What a, but a fun one. Really? From what I hear, it
2: yeah. was really small. There were only about fifty of us in the in my graduating class. Right. But it was a really wonderful place to be a teenager.
1: I've heard that a lot. Where I'm in the in Maplewood, right adjacent to you, and my wife was on the school board for years, and she'll talk about how both Maplewood and Brentwood are just very small, intimate. I think very neighborhood like. A school district, so good for you. That's great. I like yeah. the smaller schools myself, but that's just me.
0: So tell us a little bit about this play. It's very interesting. Gloria, A Life, as I've done a little research, there's two acts. And tell us about the person that you yeah. play.
2: Sure. I'll just give you a little overview, and then I'll tell you about who, what I get to do. The play is tracking Gloria Steinem's life and all the different influences on her life. And that, I think, has been one of the most beautiful things about the process is a lot of people know Gloria Steinem and her her history as a writer, as a lecturer, as a political activist, and, of course, as a feminist organizer. But we don't always know as much about the people who really brought her... To the forefront, who helps give her a voice, and so in this play, we get to hear the voices of Dorothy Pittman Hughes and um, uh, Wilma Mankiller is another is one of the characters I play. Bella Abzug, we get to hear all these different voices that were all a part of that that time, and that's been really beautiful to to open up that world of. Well, oh, really the second wave of feminism.
0: It gives a, a background as to her mentors, and like you said, the influences, and how is it presented? So people who are listening and who are wanting to go, how can they expect to to see this? Is it like, is she reminiscing with these people, or how is that portrayed?
2: Yeah, it's very direct. It's very open and direct address to the audience. Let me tell you my story. Let me tell you how this all started. Let me tell you how it's influenced. And as she's talking, these the people that she talks about come in and out. So there's there's the amazing Jenny Ryan who is playing Gloria herself. And then there's a group of six of us who get to play all the other roles. And so each of us plays between ten and fifteen other roles throughout the course of the play. Wow. And Our costume designer, Michelle Friedman-Seiler, has made these simple, has given us these simple pieces to transform us, to help transform us, and then we do physical and vocal work to shift characterization, so that you get this glimpse of these people from a past.
0: Now, it's interesting that the second act, this talking circle, and this is a variety, folks, so you understand there's going to be a variety of people that swing into the second act, who are actually going to be having a conversation. And I'll let you pick this up, Lizzie, but I want to mention that the play is being performed at the New Jewish Theater through June the 18th, and you can get tickets at the box office 314-442-3238, but we'll talk more about that. So how does this guest responder talking circle kind of thing work?
2: Yes, it's written into—a lot of times people will do a talk back at the end of a, a, a theater performance and let the audience ask the performers' questions. This is not like that. This is really an opening up of the circle. The circle as a thematic element is run through the show and this second act really invites the audience to share their stories in relationship to this period of history all the way to the present moment in terms of activism and terms of social justice. What do we have to tell each other? How can we really listen and learn from direct experience of those in our community. So what happens is we wrap up the first act, and then we say, Okay, now it's our turn to listen to each other, and we have a guest from the community come in and launch the talking circle. So they speak first, and then they invite the audience to share their responses.
0: What's been the response of all of that? Because it's a different approach.
2: Yeah. It has depended on the responder who's leading. Mm-hmm. Um, in one case, we had Senator Tracy McCreary and the conversation, she told a little bit of her story. And then the conversation to some degree was like about activism and people spoke up about the way they were active in their community. Other times it's been more like, Someone shares a personal story about what it was like for them in the 50s or 60s. And then it launches one story after another, personal tales about, for instance, a woman who was married for years and ran the finances of her home and took care of the house and did, you know, basically managed the whole home life and then was divorced and could not buy a house could not get credit, had all these roadblocks in her way, even though she was a professional human being who had skills and knowledge and intellect and history of dealing with money, but she just because she was a woman was held back in all these ways. So we got we get to hear these incredible stories from our community.
0: That's a very interesting statement you made because I remember interviewing teachers, women who were coming into the teaching profession who maybe had taught, and then they stopped to have a family, and their kids were getting older now, and they were wanting to get back in. And they said, when I asked, what have you been doing the last several years? I've been raising a family. And almost to the point, I don't want to say this in a bad way, where some were like, I was raising a family. And I recognized exactly what you said. That's a full-time job, and there are a lot of skill sets that go into that. And they should not be minimized or diminished, but they should be rewarded and recognized. As you've been... Yeah. Go ahead.
2: I just think it points to some of the contradictions that we have in our country just around, like, valuing children in mm-hmm. this huge way on on one side, and on the other side, devaluing teachers, and who are often majority women, low... You know wage differences, not being able to get an income that can support a family. There's just, there's all these contradictions that are, that we're wrestling with. And even as a modern day, a woman who grew up in the 80s, 90s, in my, myself still having these stories of injustice, it feels like, wow, we've grown, we've progressed, and also... We're still dealing with this stuff.
0: Have you, in your opinion, have we digressed in any way?
2: I don't think so. This is the meat of the play, I think. It's history, the history, and then how it's impacting right now. So I feel like all of these stories are part of the fabric.
0: So has being in this play and performing Has that—I know that it's validated some things for you, I'm presuming, that. But has it changed anything or brought different perspectives to you?
2: For sure. I think this is uh, my unique standpoint. So this is not to say all women my age or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like I grew up in a little bit of a void in terms of feminist education, because I grew up post-70s, so it was like women accomplished a lot during the 60s and 70s. A lot was accomplished. And then there was this period where, for me, I feel like I didn't get a lot of feminist education. So coming in as a 40-something-year-old and getting to hear all these stories, I feel like I'm getting caught up on my feminist education. And I'm honored to be able to play Wilma Mankiller, who was the first female chief of the Cherokee Nation, who, from inside of her community, was just making all these changes for Native American people, and particularly the Cherokee community. Um, so it's just huge. It's huge to hear these stories and get to tell them and get to embody Wilma, Mankiller, like an incredible piece of American history.
0: And you have, if I may delve into that, you have a little Native American background yourself, correct?
2: I am a member of the Wyandotte Nation of Kansas, yes.
0: And explain what that means to people, because they may not understand exactly what you just said.
2: I don't know what it, what it means to people in general. Um, for me, it's a part of my heritage. family history. Mm-hmm. It's a part of my heritage. It's a part of... Various members of my family in different t- to different degrees. One of the things I think is really incredible about the Wyandot Nation is that they don't um, measure your Wyandotte-ness according to your percentage of um, what's your how, how much Wyandotte are you? How pure are you? It's mm-hmm. really about your um, alignment mm-hmm. with. The Wyandotte Nation. And I think that's been really, that's a really powerful thing for me as a young person raised in a Christian household to be able to come through that and come back to my Wyandotte roots and say, this part wasn't, this wasn't a part of my upbringing, but I can reclaim it. Mm -hmm. And I can say, I want that to be a part of my narrative. I want those principles, those paradigms to be guiding me through my adult life. So that's been, that, you know, that's been a, many years now, 20 years of me coming to reclaim that side of me. My, I have a very, very active uncle, Richard Zane Smith, who has taken on learning Wyandotte. He now teaches Wyandotte the language to the people. He's a potter. My cousin Jamie Zane Smith, as a potter, they're they're very directly growing growing those roots, nurturing those roots mm-hmm. themselves, and I respect that in huge ways. So I, they're my heroes.
0: <laughs> it's really given you, from what I've been listening to you talk about, between that and also the play, it's filled some gaps in your life and shored some things up and gave you uh, a little more well-rounded understanding of humankind to do some of the things that you do, whether it's through educating or performing or directing or things like that. That's my viewpoint of that. And I can see that how much of a role does that play? Like when you're a director, like when you're, you're the managing director for the Tennessee Williams Festival, and we've had Carrie on several times, talking about that, and I know her in a, uh, a social way also. But how much influence does all of that come to play when you start doing what you do for a living?
2: I'll tell you. I'll jump to being a director because I think there's a there's this idea there's often in the culture of in the theater world in the industry this competitive nature and this ego there can be a lot of ego involved and i think one of the ways that this me being a heart driven person a person who wants to open up to my community to listen and to to think about the back and forth between me and the members of my team or my community, it has shifted the way I think about directing. So I think of myself as a guide. I don't... I'm constantly thinking about how to release the idea of hierarchy and to empower across the lines so that I think of actors not as beneath me, but as as often is the case. And when you think of a traditional director, traditional, I should say, director relationship, it's top-down. And I feel like one of the things I can offer and that I've learned through some of this expansive study I've done is how I can help an individual voice rise up and allow space for many different strengths and many different voices in one artistic process. That's really exciting to me.
0: And that's leadership from my viewpoint, leadership rather than a dictatorship. You're going to do it my way because I know the right way to do it.
2: Yeah, I think that's the exciting way for me. I, I'm i inspired by that. I'm inspired by young people, by what they have to offer. I definitely pause sometimes with <laughs> hearing the real young people, the way they <laughs> spout. Sometimes is shocking, but yeah. I I keep thinking to myself we have a lot to learn and we can keep integrating the new ways of thinking and the new ideas and just keep try not to have a a blanket statement about any one thing that that says it has to be this way or it has to be that way but really try to listen to the individual stories and let it move us let us be moved Let let it change our minds
0: this is yeah. Arnold Stricker with Mark Langson of St. Louis Tune. We're talking to Lizzie Watt about her performance in Gloria Alive. And piggybacking on that, when you were a budding young actor, were you afforded that opportunity and doubling up on that question, who was the one that listened to you as you were a young actor?
2: I had a couple incredible women who really empowered me. One was Anita Lippman slash Grunman, teacher at Brentwood High School. Just saw something in me and kept giving me the opportunity to express something that I think is beyond just me, but is, just, is like a, an ability to channel or empathize to such a degree that I can channel a, a variety of characters with my whole heart. So that was... that influence, and then I had an incredible professor in undergrad named Cookie Ewing in Memphis, Tennessee. She also, she just... Gosh, she was a powerful lady. She is a powerful lady. She's still around. She really believe passionately in committing completely to something and really working from the heart. If you're not telling a story with your heart, why are you telling it? Mm -hmm. We don't need more of the same. We need people to really try to communicate something. Um, And I have never forgotten that. She influences me every day, probably.
0: That's a very valuable thing, what you just said. If your heart's not in it, it's not going to come out that
2: with anything. Yeah, and there's something about the way she taught us where it was like it was not important that we have some kind of external validation or fame. In the first world, I think sometimes you go into it to make it, and that means being seen and known everywhere. And I felt that both, she and another mentor, Stephen Wong, they really taught me that you work well with passion, with excellence in mind in your community, and that is, that's more important than any kind of widespread um, fame, and that's been another guiding principle in my life.
0: Wow, is that not refreshing?
2: Work hard, <laughs> <laughs> work, hard work well, be kind lead with the heart, do good work, make good work.
0: Lead with the heart. I like that. Yeah. And did all that without social media. (laughs) (laughs) How is that possible? (laughs) Everybody's wanting to get their, you know, 15 seconds of fame or their million followers or whatever Uh, so they can say exactly what what you said so they can make a name for themselves and have this following and get validation. And is that, is part of that just being comfortable in your own skin.
2: Yeah. Yes. So if
0: you play a role, you really have to be comfortable in your skin to play somebody else.
2: I do. Yeah. Hmm. And. Uh, Good question. It's a great question. It's a par. It's like a paradox of performing. Like, how do you fully inhabit your own body so that you can? Allow a different presence to arise and be more, like I can become more than me, but through using me, it is a paradox. It's a beautiful paradox, and hopefully for me, it will be a lifelong journey, just of discovering and rediscovering what that means.
1: I actually understand what you're saying,
2: <laughs> and not being
1: an actor of myself, but yeah, that's got to be very difficult. You have to be good with yourself, I think, to, like she said, like Lizzie
0: says, to let that character, that in, you know? So, now, you know, we've not met you, yeah. but I can tell we would enjoy an in-person conversation with you. Mm-hmm. And I see, now this is my personal bias here now. I've seen actors on shows, mm-hmm. you know, and then when they play a role, it's I like the role you play better than I like who you, you are. are. I have been there with and that too, I know. What is that's so a, I guess I'm getting a, a much is. better vibe from you <laughs> than I would be from some of the people, you know, in, in Hollywood or that. And I guess that's just who they are and how they their backgrounds and things like that, their experiences. I don't know. Yeah. That's just I, a little side I, No,
1: I I totally agree. Totally agree. It's, wait a minute. You're not even close to the character that you play. And that's crazy for us to even think that, isn't it? Is that's not fair. Yeah.
0: It's not fair of us to do that to I people. haven't interviewed <laughs> them, but that's the vibe I got from I them. I get a great vibe from you, Lizzie. And yeah. folks, you, you probably get a great vibe too if you go out to this play at the New Jewish Theater. It's uh, Gloria Alive. It's playing through June the 18th, the box office, 314 What was that uh, number again? 314 And Lizzie, I guess I've always asked this question for performers. What advice do you give budding performers? You've given us great advice already, but if you could boil it down to an elevator kind of speech, what would it be? You've got this person gets on the elevator and they go, oh, Lizzie Watt, you're the managing director for Tennessee Williams Festival. You're playing in this role at Gloria Alive at the New Jewish Theater. I'm in theater. What should I do? What do you tell them?
2: Okay, I would say... Do as much, work as much as you can and take, say yes to as many projects as you can and don't be, don't hold yourself, don't say to yourself, I'm only going to do the best things. Do all the stuff and show yourself to be a kind, willing, hard worker. You will learn so much by doing the work. And so in, in some cases, that might be you're, like, helping the costume shop. In other cases, it might be you get a role you really love. And In another case, you might be a tree in <laughs> the background. Just work and watch people and listen and be kind. Mm-hmm. Really, I think that's what I would say.
1: That industry, Lizzie, it, you, you only get better by doing it. So it's, like you say, anything that you can do it. Is, uh, yeah. I, I, I think I believe that just no matter how big or small do whatever you can. And I think some of the most brilliant people in the industry that you're in are able to do everything. Like you say, work in in costumes or whatever they call it, work on the set, but also be on the stage and be the lead or be a tree. But I think the more you can learn about the more things in your industry, I think the that's the key to it all. I don't see how book learning <laughs> can mm-hmm. uh, is as valuable as it is. I know you have a master's degree, but I would bet that you've learned more on being on in the theater than you did maybe in in the academics of being in the classroom. I could be wrong, but I'm just taking a stab at that.
2: I was very fortunate to have a very training a practical training MFA program. We were in on the studio in every day and I and actually I really appreciate an education from all going out all directions like read a lot talk to a lot of people I think as a performer you have to play characters you don't necessarily relate to and the more that you can be open and listen and be able to empathize many directions the more you're going to be able to play truthfully all types of characters
1: i i don't mean to back up my comment but i don't want to take away from the education the academic of it because i think that's just as important as being a tree being a lead <laughs> wor- working in the costume department i think the education also it, i didn't want to <laughs> make that sound like it's not because oh, I yeah i think it is too yeah. i think that's a real important. no i
2: think they're both they're they're both really valuable, it's for a, sure.
0: It's a balance, I would say. Yeah. I, what yeah. I found fascinating, what you said, is some people may find that, gee, I like working sound, or gee, I like working costumes, or, or I like working set rather than performing, or I thought I would perform. Mm-hmm. I'd rather do the set, or mm-hmm. I'd rather do costumes. Right. And I know just from yeah. my music background that you learn as much what not to do as what to do when you're observing Conductors, directors, other actors, other performers, and how they stage things, you learn that didn't work out very well. I'm going to store that one, or that right. worked out really well. Right. And you've done a tremendous amount of acting and directing, and kudos to you that you still love to do it and want to pass it on.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I feel like I'm very lucky that I get to do what I love.
0: People would be lucky to see you out at the New Jewish Theater, which take, is taking place through June the 18th. It is the performance of Gloria, Alive, and uh, you can get tickets. We'll announce that number because my screen just turned off, and we'll get that to everybody. But, Lizzie, thanks very much for taking time with us to talk about this, and uh, we look forward to seeing you out there at the performance.
2: Thank you so much. I really a pleasure to be on with you all. Thank
0: you. Take care. Have a great
1: weekend. Thanks, Lizzie. So Break a leg. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Okay.
0: Thank you. All right. I know. Oh, sweet lady. That's a great advice, Mark. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I think so. Kindness and integrity and, you know, what? doing as many roles as you can take. Mm-hmm. I know. And learning from those things. Makes sense to me. Even if you've experienced
1: uh, behind the scenes and then you're on the stage, you'll understand what's going on. I just think it makes you a better, well rounded performer. Just the more you
0: knowledge is power. You know? It really is. And I, I learned I'm a for those who don't know, I was a band director, wanted to be a band director since seventh grade. <laughs> and when you play in bands, you learn rehearsal technique. You learn and when you play under a variety of directors, mm-hmm. you learn what works and what doesn't work just by listening and observing. And when to do certain things and when not to do certain things. And I can imagine that if you have the opportunity to be an actor under some really fine directors or some mentors, Mm -hmm. you can watch how they stage things, how they interact with people. It's all you're absorbing. You're just Mm -hmm. a sponge. And if you're not paying attention to that stuff, you're really missing out on how to become more refined in your profession and in your craft. Amen. (laughs) So I'm not worthy. (laughs) So we're gonna take a break. We'll be back for our next segment of the show. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston of St. Louis in tune on the US Radio Network. Arnold Stricker of St. Louis in Tune on behalf of the Dred Scott Heritage Foundation. In 1857, the Dred Scott decision was a major legal event and catalyst that contributed to the Civil War. The decision declared that Dred Scott could not be free because he was not a citizen. The 14th Amendment, also called the Dred Scott Amendment, granted citizenship to all born or naturalized here in our country and was intended to overturn the U.S. Supreme Court decision on July 9, 1868. The Dred Scott Heritage Foundation is requesting a commemorative stamp to be issued from the U.S. Postal Service to recognize and remember the heritage of this amendment by issuing a stamp with the likeness of the man Dred Scott. But we need your support and the support of thousands of people who would like to see this happen. To achieve this goal, we ask you to download, sign, and share the one-page petition with others. To find the petition, please go to DredScottLives.org and click on the Dred Scott Petition Drive on the right side of the page. On behalf of the dred scott heritage foundation this has been arnold stricker of st louis in tune thanks for listening to st
1: louis in tune on each and every show we strive to bring you informative useful and reflective stories and interviews about current and historic issues and events that involve people places and things hey we cover a wide range of content in the arts crime education employment, faith, finance, food, health, history, housing and humor, justice and sports, and that's just the name a few. While St. Louis Intune originates from the gateway city and covers local topics, we connect to what is going on nationally as well. If you missed any of our previously aired programs of St. Louis Intune, simply visit stlintune.com. That's stlintune.com. There, you'll find every show from our first to our most current. Use the search engine and look for a show that might interest you. And if you have an area that you'd like us to examine deeper, let us know. Just drop us a line at stlintune at gmail.com. That's stlintune at gmail.com. St. Louis in Tune, heard Monday through Friday on the usradionetwork.com and many great stations around the US, and of course, right here in St. Louis. Our website again is stlintune.com. stlintune.com.
0: Welcome back to St. Louis in Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Mark Langston. The phone number for the box office at the New Jewish Theater, 314-442-3238. 314-442-3238, box office at the New Jewish Theater. The presentation of Gloria, A Life is going on through June the 18th. And a little bit more about that. That's an opportunity for the audience to learn from each other. That's in Act 2. And Gloria a life embodies Gloria Steinem's philosophy that conversation is a catalyst for change as it celebrates one of the most inspiring women of our time. And the production, this is a disclaimer a little bit, folks, includes strong language, mm. mature themes, and discussions of sexual harassment and domestic violence. Ouch. I hate those things. I Speaking wish. of Gloria Steinem. Yeah. I thought we'd talk a little bit about her. Some people remember her by a few things. It's kind of like anybody else. Remind me. I don't. I was sitting there racking my brain. I know the name. I'm sure I know the work. Big, women's activist Uh in 60s and 70s. Ms. Magazine. Okay. Did a stint as a Playboy bunny as undercover story for a newspaper. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about that here in a minute. Okay. But she grew up in Ohio. She is potato country,
1: isn't that? Is Ohio or Idaho? No, Idaho. It's Idaho. I okay. don't <laughs> know what it Those months with are those states with those Idaho me, potatoes. They get me confused. Uh,
0: she is 80. I'm doing my math here now. She's still around with 89. us. 89. Okay. 88 or 89. Okay. Oh, yeah, uh, she's 89. I mm-hmm. just saw her March 25th birthday date there. Mm-hmm. But uh, grew up in Toledo. Holy she, Toledo. Yeah, holy Toledo. It's the second child. Father was a traveling salesman. Parents divorced mm. when she was 10. Mm. Her mother was mentally ill. Mm. She had to take care of her mom. She graduated high school and went to Smith College in Massachusetts hmm. and studied government, of all things. Wow graduated magna cum laude Mm. and i got a fellowship to study abroad for two years and did that studying and researching in india india and that's where she got this inspiration and interest in grassroots activism Mm. she worked in the Women's Liberation Movement and for the Equal Rights Amendment. She started her professional career as a journalist in New York, did freelance pieces for various publications, and then it was tough in the late 50s and 60s. She admits to getting what would be called plum assignments when men ran the newsrooms and women were mainly secretarial kinds of behind the scenes kind of people. She wanted to do a quote-unquote woman's page, like a lifestyle, and do some female-centered or fashion topics. And what years were those? The late fifties and sixties. Wow, that she was ahead of her time then. Yeah, and when she suggest- suggested political stories to the New York Times Sunday magazine, the editor said, "I don't think of you that way." Mm-hmm. So she gained national attention in 1963 when Show Magazine hired her to do an undercover report on the working conditions at the Playboy Club. She wrote an expose, I Was a Playboy Bunny, and went into everything related to that. She struggled to be taken seriously as a journalist after that assignment. And she helped found New York Magazine, where she became the editor and political writer, and still is on that board. She also first publicly spoke in 1969 about legalizing abortion in New York State. She promoted some feminism and engagements within the women's movement in the 1970s. There was a feminist activist took over the Ladies Home Journal, and they staged a takeover arguing that the magazine only offered articles on housekeeping but failed to cover women's rights and the women's movement. So she then founded Ms. Magazine to become that, I guess, venue. And it debuted in 1971. This is the one she's still in an emeritus capacity for, not Mm -hmm. New York Magazine. And it debuted as an insert in New York Magazine. So she's always been dedicated to the cause of women's rights and— she was with someone who helped form the National Women's Political Caucus. Right. At 2000, at the age of 66, she had been long single. She married her husband, entrepreneur and activist David Bale, who died of lymphoma right. a few years later. Oh my. But she's been a writer. She's authored several books, including a biography on Marilyn Monroe. A bestseller, My Life on the Road. She's published and reprinted in numerous anthologies. She was presented with the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2013. Wow. And in 2017, Rutgers University created the Gloria Steinem Endowed Chair in Media, Culture, and Feminist Studies. Holy smoke. I had no idea. And she is a member of the Women's Hall of Fame. I bet, <laughs> bet she probably... Which is where I got that information. Oh, okay.
1: I wonder if she knew Marilyn Monroe. I guess you don't. You
0: can write a biology without knowing the. Person. Yeah, she. Yeah, she, they would have overlapped in time. Yeah, they would have been. They would have been uh, actually uh, pretty close to the same age. Right. I think. Or I agree with that. Pretty. So right maybe they uh, crossed some uh, well, paths, or she found out what was going on with Marilyn was like mm-hmm. so, an antithesis of where Gloria Steinem wanted to be, or where she thought Marilyn wanted to be. Or right. Who knows. I, I bet both. Yeah, both of them were very uh, uh, advancing women.
1: I right. think. But Wow. Interesting write-up about her. Yes. Honestly, I knew nothing about her like that.
0: No. I had remembered Ms. Magazine. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much kind of it. Boy. But the fact that this play really goes into, and I think what's interesting about the play is, not having seen it, but just reading about it, is this act two where the actors begin this discussion and these guest responders, and there's a different guest responder each time the play is presented. So if you want to go to the website, that's jccstl.com, jccstl.com, and there's enough information there where you can check on the New Jewish Theater, and it will show you exactly who these people are who are coming, and some of them are individual who've been politicians, who are past and current politicians, other notable women individuals in the area. And so the conversation, as Lizzie was talking about, is springboarded by that and then involves different members of the audience. So it can take a different flavor as the moderator or as the guest responder launches that kind of talking circle. And it really is a learning experience. And it's quoted here, it's the way to, we discover we're not crazy and we're not alone. Sometimes I think people like, am I the only one that thinks this way or am I just crazy?
1: I, I, yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> so, so this, so. Crazy and you kind of goes together with The talking circle like, is to
0: reaffirm that I'm not crazy. Oh, that you're not, okay. And, and that, yeah, there's other people that think the same way I do. Oh, uh, I don't think there is. No, I'm, <laughs> just kidding.
1: I am kidding. Honestly, you're probably right, though.
0: So you are. Don't. I. I would say, don't throw a pomander at me. Uh, oh, is that our word for the day? Yes.
1: Is it a pomander? So we've moved on to. We need to like a little thing. Or, or excuse me, it could be a, a pomander. Like we should have it like a. It's time for the. It's time for the word of the day we need something better than that though? I don't. know. So we'll get no, that trumpet
0: in tune. That's not my gosh. Work.
1: That kind of fits the word yeah, for the. Yeah. Push in a little I bit care, there. You're too flat. Okay, let's go again. What, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the word of the day.
0: Okay. There we go. All right. So it could be pomander, or pomander. Okay. I think the correct pronunciation would be pomander. I'm gonna go with pomander, and I haven't. All right. I'm not reading it. So talked about throwing something because <laughs> Don't, Why do you look at me when you say that? It's because of I'm looking at the definition of what this is and it's, I'll give you another sentence in which it would be used. I opened the closet and the smell of the pomander overwhelmed me.
1: Sounds like a dead critter. <laughs>
0: it's a mixture of aromatic substances balled together and carried about a case, it's like a perforated ball, a clove-studded orange. My mom used to do that. She'd stick cloves in oranges and then stick it in the closet. Really? That's why I use that example. Mm. Have you ever smelled those things? No. Oh, my gosh. It's like you open the closet.
2: Oh, she should oh so it wasn't out.
0: good. Oh, it's it supposed to keep things fresh. Okay. Cloves. Okay. Yeah. But I could throw that at you because uh-huh. it was in an orange. Whoa. But it, it's something, it's an aromatic substance that's put in and... To safeguard against like infection or staleness or something like that.
1: Do you ever talk with your mom about that in later years? No, I just (laughs) uh,
0: I realized (laughs) I would never do that in my life to my children. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or it could be a clove-studded lemon, or a clove-studded apple. Wow. I thought, wow, we wasted that really good orange right there.
1: I know, but that wouldn't it rot sitting in there in my with all my clothes? The the
0: cloves helped it out. I'm not
1: okay. I'm, yeah. I don't know. I don't mean to. It's beyond me. Your mom had good reason for it. She did. I'm sure she did. So a po. pomander. Pomander. A A pomander. P P O M A N D E R. Pomander. Sounds like a salamander, a pomander.
0: Yeah. It's just this. So if you see like a a cachet would be something, would be a pomander. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I'm getting
1: into another word. Here he is. Look, folks, he's academic.
0: He's throwing. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies would have a cachet of things in their wow. undergarment drawer <laughs> I, to keep them smelling fresh. A pomander in there. That's right. They could put a pomander in there. I know. Throw a pomander in there. Just don't use
1: cloves and an orange. Wow. No. Let me see. Hold on. Uh, no, don't do that.
0: <laughs> that is our word for the day. Man, I got to get rid of that trumpet. really bothers me. I know. You don't like so, that one? Oh, okay. It's so out of tune. I'm going to
1: call you tonight at 1 a.m. I know will he'll say hello. I'm gonna throw it at you. That is so. I know it. Awful. Sound, it is terrible. There's a lot of terrible things, but geez. there's some good things in the world. That might be one of them. Did you know uh, it's National Best Friend Day? Oh wow! Yeah. Do you have a best friend? I do. Who? Me? My wife. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. Hold on. <laughs> it would be
0: Papa in tune. Oh no!
1: Wait. She. <laughs> 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 Sorry. It's definitely the wrong one. Because when you stop and think about best friends, how many people really have a best friend? They have a lot of
0: acquaintances, they have friends, but a true best friend, do you really have one? when you think about friendship, you think about really, like you said, you have acquaintances. Uh People know Uh by name, Uh acquaintances, and it gets smaller and smaller. But I think
1: you're very fortunate if you have a best friend. And I think my wife is definitely my best friend. I I agree with you like that, yeah. So.
0: so, I just replaced the litter box with a FedEx box. Now, when it's full, I just tape it shut and put it on the porch for someone to steal. <laughs> what? Your fingers have fingertips, uh-huh. but your toes don't have toe tips. Yet, <gasps> whoa, whoa. you can tip toe, but not tip finger. Oh, my. Wow. Two boys were sitting on the back of a pickup truck, uh-huh. and one says, does your family say a prayer before you eat food? The other one says, nope, we're Italian. My mom knows how to cook.
1: <laughs> I love it. That's, thank you very much. Wow. That's actually really good.
0: Folks, if, uh, we have a new puppy, uh-huh. and he's 10 months old. Oh, uh, but if you've ever experienced this, and people who have had puppies, you will know what I'm going to say. They should make an alarm clock that sounds like a dog about to puke. Nothing gets you out of bed faster.
1: <laughs> a cat, sound of a cat puking. That too. It doesn't work. And a big hairball. Yep.
0: Our uh, Wi Fi uh, wasn't working last night, so I sat and chatted to the missus for a change. I'm surprised to hear she no longer works at Woolworths. Wow. Are there any Woolworths around anymore? No. Okay. That's just just check Okay, that's part of the yeah, joke. Yeah. Okay wife said our new neighbors are so in love he kisses her strokes her hair and hugs her why don't you do that because i don't know her that well yet <laughs> twilight zone hey maybe some of you can identify with this you go to the store and you buy something and it's, i didn't get around to eating that it's I almost left the grocery store without buying a bag of spring mix to throw unopened into the garbage in two weeks. Wow. Now, this is, yeah, it's true. This is a fact. This is not a joke. This is a fact, okay? Okay. The periodic table symbol for lead is PB, Mm -hmm. which comes from Latin plumbum, meaning lead. Early pipes were made of lead, so people who worked with pipes became plumbers. Plumbum Plumbers. I like that.
1: That's okay. all right. That's something. You learn something new on this show all right? the time.
0: And you learn this, too, that people are excited about the new iPhone, but no one has caught up with the awesome technology of using your blinker when you drive. That is so just that lever on the left. The original text message. <laughs> My wife has been missing a week now. Oh, no. The police said to prepare for the worst, so oh. I had to go down to Goodwill to get all her clothes back. Oh. Wow.
1: Hold it. There's a policeman at the door for you right now. Okay. I wish he'd take...
0: (laughs) When I die, I know one of my grandkids will lean in my coffin and whisper, Can I play a game on your phone? (laughs) Oh, golly. So I go to KFC the other day Uh to get the kids something to eat. Uh They wanted the kid's meal with a leg. So I said... Kids meal with a leg. And the lady says, which side? Oh, complete silence as I was contemplating this odd decision. I guess, I, I guess the right side. I don't know what the difference is. After several moments of laughter, she said, no, hun. Which side would you like to go with the leg, mashed potatoes or wedges? What? <whistles> wow. So, there's so these bad. eggs that are sitting around this plate of this fried egg. Uh-huh. Yeah. It says, he died, he died last Friday. Thank God he wasn't beaten. Don't worry, he went over easy. He's now on the sunny side. He's definitely in a better plate.
1: <sighs> oh,
0: my. What? <laughs> Wait. Yeah, I agree. I agree with this crowd. Uh, now, Okay. Some of the listeners probably come from the, if you'll quit crying, I'll buy you something generation. <laughs> but Mark and I, we came from the, if you don't quit crying, I'll give you something to cry about generation. That's right. That's it. Or right,
1: we're going to turn this car around and go home. <laughs> Golly, that's so true.
0: My mom said, I'll, you won't need braces. I'll straighten them for you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, mom. So I had a friend ask me the other day, I thought you were dieting. Uh And I said, I am. And they said, you just had three donuts. I said, but I wanted four. See, I'm dieting. (laughs) This is serious. This is not a joke. This is serious. There's nothing
1: serious about you.
0: Everyone enjoys the beginning and the end. Mm -hmm. It's where everyone cheers you on. But the middle is where the winning happens. It's where you have to cheer yourself on. Master the middle and start and finish will take care of themselves. That's good. I like that. Take a bow. Take Mm -hmm. a bow. Good. I'm glad you're bowing. Sometimes I like to, this is a woman's advice here. Sometimes I like to mess with my husband and hide his stuff where he can't find it. Like I put his shoes in the shoe closet, his jacket on the hanger, and his keys on the key hook. And that hit him from him. Yep. Okay. Now... (laughs) These are some interesting kind of um, things you might get from people who have been around a while. They've lived in the country, maybe, Uh and I don't want to say wives' tales kind of things. Okay. All right. Take your bananas apart when you get home from the store. If you leave them connected at the stem, they ripen faster. (laughs) Now, you had mentioned aluminum foil. Uh Uh-huh. Store... Tin foil. Tin foil. All right, aluminum. No, no hats, though. Okay. Store your open chunks of cheese in aluminum foil. It will stay fresh much longer and not mold. Who knew? I never knew that. Oh, here's a good one. More? Because I, 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 I will smell strawberries and tomatoes. And somebody mm. said, well, what are you smelling for? And it's, Do they smell like strawberries or tomatoes? <laughs> if they don't, I don't buy them. Peppers with three bumps on the bottom mm. are sweeter and better for eating. Peppers with four bumps on the bottom are firmer and better for cooking. Whoo, now that's a really good one. You could write a cookbook on that. Yeah. Yeah. Add a teaspoon of water when frying ground beef, it will help pull the grease away from the meat while cooking. I remember that one. Oh, I like that. I like that. And we've had a joke about eggs, but this is really about eggs. This Seriously. is something for real. To really make scrambled eggs or omelets rich. Rich. add a couple of spoonfuls of sour cream cheese or heavy cream in and then beat them up that makes sense but i, tell you, I like curdy scrambled eggs and you uh, know how to make curdy scrambled eggs no is you eat really low heat really low heat I never did. and you put that on and you have a spatula and you're constantly uh, moving them and they'll curd up like cottage cheese a little mm-hmm. bit i really like yep curdy yep. scrambled I'll. eggs there it is again. I know it. Yeah, And then there was the Magnus Chord Organ Big Book of Easy Funeral Hits. <laughs> oh, Simple one-finger grief chord chart. And it has such, hit, such hits as Grandma Had Secrets. Who gets what? I just knew I'd see you there. You call that a Y-incision? <laughs> Like, this changes nothing. Or the song. Nice tears, baby. <laughs> oh How God. about this one? Did he me. always have that there? It's so bad. Or shut up and mourn. <laughs> or, or the last one. That's over. <laughs>
1: Goodness (laughs) for that. (gasps) Wow, that's really bad stuff. Stop laughing, you guys. Come on, they won't quit.
0: Uh, I'm crying. Oh, okay, wait. No, I can't find it. All right. Oh, mercy. Hands (laughs) on those buzzers, please. Please don't pop those buttons. I want to know what I'm taking home, Art Fleming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> really no, sorry Sorry,
1: No, that's not it What am I taking? You'll receive some parting gifts from us Thank you so very much uh, Yeah, we got parting we go. gifts for you First you right? gotta take my so glasses off you receive some parting gifts yeah, from us Thank right. you so right. very much I feel be sorry well,
0: Folks, we're gonna stop with that right now and hope we you haven't had an accident listening that, to this Is
1: that enough? <laughs> driving <laughs> your car
0: oh, oh Man, tough room, uh. <laughs> tough room. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks Don't forget when the Martians invade there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. Yep. St. Louis in Tune is a production of Motif Media Group and the U.S. Radio Network. For St. Louis in Tune, co-host Mark Langston and Arnold Stricker. Remember, walk worthy and let your light shine.